welcome to the Life Church Utah podcast. We are a church located in Salt Lake City, Utah. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. Check us out online at lifechurchutah.com. Well, good morning, Life Church. How are you all? Happy Labor Day weekend, is it? Yes, I get my, I'm going to be honest, I get my holidays mixed up sometimes. Well, welcome to Life Church. If it is your first time this morning, we just want to say hello. We are so glad that you are here. And in fact, I see some very familiar faces in our crowd this morning. I'm staring at one of our old youth here who's back home, and I've seen some others here this morning who we haven't seen in quite a while. So let's just welcome our first-time visitors and those who are here this morning. If it is your first time this morning, we want to invite you to fill out our connection card. We have a special gift for you this morning. You can take it out to the lobby. And we just want to bless you and get to know you and share with you not only Jesus, but who we are as Life Church and how to get involved. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Natasha Hansen. I am our community center director here at Life Church, and I have the wonderful privilege of being able just to share God's word with you this morning. I truly believe that um, as I was preparing for this message this week, I'll be honest, I had about a billion interruptions, and I began to began to began to pray about this. I'm like, Lord, what is going on? And I truly believe. Now, oftentimes when God is on the move and he's about to do something big, right? There's a thousand interruptions in the way, a thousand distractions. And so this morning, let's just open up in prayer because I truly believe that God has a word for each and every one of us. I know that when I prepared this message this week, that it impacted me immensely. And let's just believe that God has something powerful for us this morning. Lord, we thank you. God, that you are a God who is alive. You are a God who is active and moving in our lives. Lord, we pray as we dive into your word this morning, God, as we discover more about your love for us and your character, God, Lord, that it would just be so evident and real, God, and transforming of our lives this morning. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be turned towards you, Father. And I pray, Lord God, just for an understanding, Lord, and wisdom, Lord, of how to approach your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, before we dive into our next miracle this morning, so we've been following along in the book of John with the seven miracles. And, but before we get there, I want to just set this first, because I feel like this is really important, especially with this miracle this morning is for us to understand where we talked about this on week one, but why is it that God has even shared with us through John these seven miracles? It says in John 20, 30 through 31, it says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. It says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, we've seen week to week some very unusual things that Jesus has done, right? If you've been following along with us, we've talked about how Jesus turned the water into wine. We've talked about how Jesus um, healed the lame man who had been lame for many, many years, and he went out of his way to seek him. We talked about how Jesus, he turned the loaves and fish and fed 5,000 plus people, right? We can't do that at food share. Maybe we can with Jesus' help. 
right? He's done these really extraordinary things. Last week, we talked about how he took mud made out of his spit, gross, right? And he healed the blind man's eyes. He's done these very unusual things and unusual ways, things that people didn't expect. And he did it for the one purpose, and that was for us to believe so that we could have life in him. See, he didn't come just to make our lives easier in each of these miracles, although it was of great benefit, right? Those 5,000 people plus, they were hungry. He fed them. It had a purpose here in the natural. But in the spiritual, he said, my purpose is even greater. It's for you to know who I am and to experience my life, a new life. So keeping that in mind, we're going to dive into the story of Lazarus this morning. How many of you know this story of Lazarus, right? Okay, well, we're, pretend you don't know it. And we're going to start from the beginning. And in John 11, 1 through 7, it says this. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And then skipping down to verse 14, it says, then Jesus told them plainly, he's talking to his disciples here. He says, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. See, right away, John, he's telling us his buddy, his friend, Lazarus, he's sick. And he's so sick that he is on the verge of death. And so as what was common then, right, and I would say was common for us up before COVID, right? When someone's sick, they're on their deathbed, what do you do? You go to them, you visit them, you spend time with them, you pray with them. And so Mary and Martha, they called to Jesus because they, Jesus was a friend of theirs. And they said, Jesus, you've got to come. Lazarus is sick. We need you. And it, right, moving forward, spoiler alert, they wanted Jesus to heal Lazarus, right? They'd seen the miracles that, they had, that he had done. But Jesus knew them. He wants us to know right off the, from the beginning. John wants us to understand. Jesus knew Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were his friends, so it was natural for him to be called on. But also on the flip side of that, they knew Jesus loved them. They called on him and said, your friend whom you love, Lazarus, whom you love. Let me ask you this this morning before we even get any further. Do you know that Jesus loves you? He loves us, right? He sent his son for us because he loves us. This was the kind of relationship they, they had. They weren't strangers to one another. They were friends. Mary and Martha, they had welcomed Jesus into their home and had spent time with him. And they knew what he was capable of. They had seen the miracles. They had heard of the things that he had done. And they knew what he was capable of. 
And Lazarus, again, he's sick. But what does Jesus do? It says he doesn't come running to them. He doesn't come running to Lazarus' bedside. He stays put for two more days. See, Jesus, he was about a day's travel away. And some of us, if we're being quite honest, when we read this, it's quite puzzling, right? Knowing the kind of relationship that they have, that Jesus would naturally want to be there with them in their moment of need. He stays put. He doesn't go to them. You might be scratching your head like, what on earth, Jesus? Why didn't you go? It doesn't make sense in our human minds as to why he would delay his going. See, even now for us, when our loved ones are sick, we want to be with them, right? I know we've got a lot of challenges in our way, but that doesn't take away that desire for us to want to be with them. But Jesus, he didn't go. He stayed put. And some of us in, that, in, in this room, we find ourselves in that waiting period just like Martha and Mary. They had called for him. They expected him to come and he didn't show up and they sat there and they probably wondered, where is he? Did our messenger not make it? Did our message not make it? Is there something wrong? Does he, we know that he loves us, so where is he? Some of us in this room, we find ourselves in situations today in turmoil and grief, whatever the circumstance might be, we're calling on God. We know that you love us, God. We know that you're for us, but where are you? Where is your miracle? Why haven't you shown up? I need you to fix this right now. And we sit there like Mary and Martha wondering, Lord, what are you doing? What? are you up to? Me and my family, um, if you know my family at all, Pastor Alfred is my uncle. Pastor Alfred is a local missionary here. He's been sick for the last month battling um, COVID. And I can be, I'm going to be totally honest and transparent with you. There have been moments like Mary and Martha where I was sat there and I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? I know that you can heal. What are you up to? See, we've begged him, we've longed for him to come and intervene in our situations and we wait like them. But remember what he said. It was for their benefit that he did not come right away. See, he had a plan, folks. He knew this illness would not lead to death, right? He had a plan and he said it was for my glory. See, I'm very confident that Jesus knew that we would struggle with these questions, right? So he provides us an answer. And his delay had a purpose. Although he could have come quickly to Lazarus' side or not, because we saw in the healing of the Roman's official son, right? He didn't even have to go. He healed him from afar. His greatest desire was to demonstrate for them and for them to know his full glory. That was far greater than anything that they needed in that moment. Because remember that every miracle that Jesus did was for us to what? To believe in him, to have life in him. 
And so what I believe what God wants us to understand today, what feels like a delay in your life, what feels like a delay in your circumstance, what feels like a delay in your grief and in your sorrow, it has a purpose. And that purpose is that his glory would be made known. See, in John eleven four, 4, it said, the illness did not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. In verses 14 and 15, again, just reviewing, he said, for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. The greatest need in that moment wasn't healing Lazarus. The greatest need in that moment was for them to understand and know the glory of God so that they could believe in him. Although Mary and Martha feared the grave, they feared death. Jesus knew this was not the end. And he is about to demonstrate his glory, the very glory of God. He was about to demonstrate that he not only had power over creation and the things that we experience here in the physical, he is about to demonstrate that he has the power and authority over death itself. He has the power and the authority over the grave itself. And that was something greater than they had ever known or experienced in that time. See, this can be a really tough reality to accept, right? But what we need to remember is that Jesus has the final word. He has the final say. So after waiting for two days, Jesus makes his way to Mary and Martha. And we're going to pick up in verse 17. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. His friend had passed away. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. See, when Jesus arrives, Martha goes to him. He stayed outside of town and she immediately recognizes, Lord, had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even though you didn't save him now, at the end of the age, he'll resurrect with you. She knew and was confident that although he didn't do anything now, it didn't change anything about who he was and what he was capable of doing. In fact, she acknowledges, you can do whatever you want to do, Lord. And I, and I ask ourselves in our moments when we're in situations that are really tough, right? Maybe your marriage is on its last string. 
Maybe your bank account sits empty or your child that you have cried or weeped over is still so far gone. Are we able to, in those moments, acknowledge, God, you still are who you say you are. You are still the God on the throne that I serve. You are still my Lord. You are still my Savior. This isn't turning out the way that I want, but I love you anyways. Are we, are we able to do that this morning and each day? And what's beautiful is that I love how Jesus just doesn't leave it hanging there. He goes, Martha, you'll live again. She probably didn't quite understand, right? She's thinking end of the age. He's going to live again, but he also establishes himself. I'm the one that life is, that you will receive life through. Right? He's establishing himself again. I am. He's acknowledging I am who you say I am. So are we like Martha? Or are we like some other people who showed up that day? In verse 33, it says, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. He wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? See, doubt lingered among the crowd that day. They had seen what Jesus had done. They had obviously seen how Jesus had healed the blind man, right? But doubt lingered in the middle of their sorrow. Isn't it amazing how sorrow and grief can stir up doubts within us and make us question, God, are you really who you said you are? See, Mary points out again with deep sorrow, Jesus, you could have healed my brother. And the crowd started probably asking the what could have beens. This is what he could have done. Maybe if we had done this differently. And with reason, right? That's what us humans do. <laughs> we question things. But I love what Jesus does in this moment. He meets them right where they're at in the middle of their grief. And it says that he wept. See, it was customary during that time to bury someone on the day of their death. And that they would allowed seven days of deep mourning and then 30 days after that of light mourning. See, Jesus, he showed up, although he delayed, he showed up right in the middle of their deepest mourning. Jesus does that for us, folks. He shows up in those moments we're in our depths of our deep despair. But what's even quite even astonishing, and I actually had to sit and, and think and pray and study about this one for quite a while, if I'm being honest, 
is what Jesus's response was to not only crying, but it says that he was deeply moved. If you read other translations, it says that Jesus was angry. So this is the Greek um, text there. I'm not even going to try to say it in Greek because that would go really badly. Um, But it says that he was filled with indignation. So he was filled with anger by the response of Mary and the crowd and their sorrow. And I had to sit there and ask myself like, Lord, why were you angry? And I'm not going to say that I have the answer because I don't. And theologians have, theologians have debated this as to what that means. Was he angry at death itself? Was he angry at the crowd's response? We don't really know. But if there's one thing that we do know through, that we see through Jesus' tears and being moved by this great emotion that we actually serve a God who cares. Many times the world tries to paint this picture that God is just this stoic, distant God who doesn't care about what we're going through. And what we see here is a much different picture. He cares about what we're going through. He's moved by what we're going through, by our responses, by our emotions. He's a God that wants to be close and not distant. In verse 38, it says this, then Jesus deeply moved again, the same emotion, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. And Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead for four days days. You guys, they didn't have the same kind of process like we have now for daring, burying dead people. Okay. He, he went in with all his organs and everything. He was stinky. Okay. After four days of sitting there, it actually reminded me, I was trying to think of like, what would this have smelled like? We went, I went on a missions trip to Hurricane Katrina and they, there was water that had sat there for 11 months. It was like usually in you know, kitchen bowls. It was named voodoo juice. It was the most disgusting, vile thing I've ever smelled in my life. It made you want to vomit just by smelling it, right? So imagine this, that kind of stench. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you would see, that you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said on this account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. See, Jesus, again, he's moved with great emotion. He's deeply moved. And he did something that no one saw coming. Lazarus was dead for four days, you guys. He was bound up with linens so thick it was like a foot deep on his head. There was no mistaking that this man was dead. And he did something so unexpected. Something that we can't even, 
begin to try to imagine how this happened. Like, and thinking about this too, it's kind of a funny picture. Thinking about Lazarus, he's totally bound up. His feet are together, his arms are together, his head's all around, and he comes hopping out of the grave. Like that had to been the most hilarious sight, right? The humor of our God. See, there was no mistaking his condition. God displayed his power and his glory for their benefit. He did something that no one else had ever done or could ever do again. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And I loved how he said it three times. Did you catch that? He's saying, I'm doing this for your benefit. I'm doing this so that you would know my glory, that you would know my love. Whatever circumstance you're in this morning, friends, he's there and he wants his glory to be made known in your circumstance. We might not have the answer. We might think it's dead and gone like Lazarus, but he's not through yet. He's not done yet. He's ready to rise, whatever circumstance that is, from the grave this morning. Whether that's here on earth, in the physical, right? Or at the end of the age, when his glory is made known for all eternity, for all time. These past, this past month, as I've journeyed with my aunt and my family through my uncle's circumstances, I've had to come back to this so many times. There were moments even in this past week where I was like, Lord, I feel like Mary and Martha in these four days, I don't understand what's happening. But we have the benefit of looking ahead, guys. We have his word before us. We know in these moments that his glory will be made known. I was talking with my aunt about this this week and she said that someone had um, spoken this over her quite some time ago about Lazarus's bandages and how the linens, right, when he was buried and he was in the grave, it was a sign of his bondage. It was a sign of his being trapped. But when Jesus spoke, he came calling and those bandages no longer became a sign of his bondage, but they became a sign of his victory. God wants to use your bondages as a sign of victory this morning. Would you please stand with me? Lord, we thank you. God, even though we don't have all of the answers as to why life hits us hard sometimes, we know, God, that you care greatly about us. You are moved by our sorrow. You are moved, God, by our grief. You are moved, God, by our troubles. And so, God, I pray this morning that right now, Lord, that you would be near, that you would be close. God, we thank you, God, that your glory would be made known. I want to give an opportunity to everyone in the room this morning. You might find yourself in one of two camps. You don't know Jesus. You've heard about him. You've heard about the wonderful things that he's done, these miracles, 
but you don't know him. And you, but you are ready to meet him this morning. You're ready to experience the power of a new life. And you've come to believe that he is who he says he is. If that's you this morning, will you raise your hand? If you're ready to make a commitment for him, thank you. Thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. The second thing, if you're in this room and I'm with you, you find yourself in the middle of a circumstance that is more than you can bear. You don't have the answers, but you want God to be made known and you want him to walk through it with you. If that's you, will you raise your hand this morning? Yes, all over this room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. God, that you have offered us a new life in you. God, for those who raise their hands saying, Lord, I want to know you. I believe in you. I may not have it all figured out, Lord. I believe in you and I want to know you and I want to walk with you. God, I pray right now that you, Holy Spirit, would just speak to their hearts. God, that you would cleanse them and make them new. That they would experience a beautiful and new life, God, in you. God, that they would know that they have a hope and a future. God, for those of us in this room, God, that we're facing each day uncertain of what's ahead, confused by the circumstances around us, God, I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in their situations. Lord God, that new life would rise up out of their circumstances. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use their circumstances, God, to impact their circles around them. God, that others would know your glory, that others would believe because of what you have brought them through. And so God, this morning we pray for miracles. God, we ask for children and their relationships to be restored to you. God, we pray that addiction would just fall at your feet this morning. God, we pray that anxiety and depression, Lord God, would just bow at your throne. Lord, we pray for marriages and families to be made whole in your name, Jesus in your powerful name. God, and we praise you, Lord, even in the middle of our circumstances. Lord, I pray that we would be like Martha, able to acknowledge who you are, God, in the middle of our grief and our sorrow this morning. God, so we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we just praise him this morning? Lord, you are good. We love you, God. I just thank you for being here this morning. If you would like prayer, the altars are open. We'll be here to pray with you this morning. And I want to invite you to come back this Wednesday. Check out one of our midweek classes. It really is a wonderful place to dive deeper in the word as the family. And we just believe that God has even more for you in store this week. Love you guys. And we will see you on Wednesday.